There's a scripture that's going to be on the screen, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. It's kind of our main text today. We love God's Word, and we love being able to read it together. It's on the screen. Would you do me the honor of reading God's Word with me this morning? Can we read this scripture? Let's read it. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strand is not quickly broken. I need you to touch at least three people and tell them the title of the message. It's triple stack. Go ahead. At least three people tell them triple stack, triple stack. (laughs) Then you can be seated. When I was younger and uh, playing baseball on the regular, I once was able to accomplish a feat that I thought for sure would launch my major league career. Uh, I I was able to to do an unassisted triple play. It was fantastic. Nobody knew what happened, but I knew, and I walked off the field like I was about to get signed by the St. Louis Cardinals. Needless to say, as a fifth grader, that never happened. Still recovering, I think, from it. Chose a different path in life. Triple stack, triple, triple decker hamburgers. Love them, right? There are so many good things that come in three trilogies, like Lord of the Rings came in, came in threes. Star Wars was a great trilogy. Then they added a bunch, and I'm like, man, no. Three, three is enough. Like for my wife and I, three kids, we're good. Like that's, that's good. That's the little trinity in my own little home. We like just the three kids. It's just ever so manageable. A triple scoop of ice cream will make you feel good in the moment and regret it later on for some of us. Uh, I love the three stooges, the three musketeers. I love the fact that we serve a a triple-natured God. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit distinct in all three They are in perfect unity, and within them is the perfect picture of what community even looks like. Three, things that happen in threes. Three is an important number in Scripture. Something really incredible happened on the third day. There was a guy who was buried and had died, but three days later, we tend to to believe, and it hinges on all that we do. It's why we gather today. We really believe that Jesus raised from the dead after three, three days. Three is a pretty incredible number in our lives. I, I think one of the things that, that I, I value about this, and you may, you may not be aware of this, but you yourself, every human is a three-part being. I believe you are a spirit, which is what lives forever. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, all created by God. And you live in a body. I believe that uh, in your spirit, if you're going to have a healthy spirit, it, it really does involve making sure you have a steady, healthy diet of the word, of worship, and prayer. Three, I believe that when it comes to your physical body, that, uh, that your body can be healed naturally. I believe God wants to bring health to your body medically, and he also can heal your body miraculously. Three, all to help your body walk in health. Your soul, I believe, also needs a a triple stack approach to finding health. 
I, I think there's a triple stack approach to where our spirit or our souls rather come. In, in 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2, it says this, it says, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. Would it be all right if everything started to go well with you? Would, that be all, would, you, would, you, would you sign up for that? I know I would. All would go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Even as your soul. I believe God wants you to be healthy in your mind, to be healthy in your emotions. I believe he wants your will to be healthy. And I think that, that if our souls are going to be healthy, it's going to be because we have a triple stack approach, a, a triple approach to it. I believe that Christ has a role in our soul's health. I believe that community has a role in Christ's health, in, in our souls being made healthy. And I believe counseling plays a vital role in your soul being healthy. For many years in the church, it was considered wrong to seek help medically for issues of your soul. I disagree completely. Because your mind and your emotions are just as much a part of you as your elbow, knees, and navel cavities. And if you would go see a doctor for any of those, why not for anything else? Because God wants you to be in health. Today, we're going to have a conversation, and you get to listen in as we talk about how your soul can be healthy and pursue health in all three of these areas. And we have a really special guest, my friend, uh, pastor and licensed therapist counselor from the Kansas City area. He's become a good, uh, becoming an even better friend. We are, we're pretty recently equated just in the last year and a half. And uh, I've grown deeply affectionate for him. I value his voice so much. He's a trusted friend, a trusted counselor. And uh, church family, would you stand and give a huge welcome to Brian James McMahon as he comes to the stage. Come on, my man. Love you. He is my beard spirit animal. I tell you that right now. Thank you. You guys can, can, can have, a, have a seat. If you brought something to take notes with, get it out. I've got my notepad and pen up here. I'm going to be taking notes as we have a conversation together. And uh, why don't you kind of, Brian James, if you don't mind, kind of introduce kind of yourself, your story, your, your own journey a little bit through, yeah. through some pain and how you got to Kansas City and yeah. all those things. Th thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, it it is always such an important thing to me when there is a community that is willing to engage hard conversations. And conversations about anything related to pain are always hard conversations. Pain that we don't want to exist, pain that we try to pretend doesn't exist, pain that we can't ignore. Any of those that are present in any way, that becomes difficult to talk about. So I just wanted to acknowledge up front, um, this is amazing. Um, that you're a community that will show up for a conversation like this, that you have leadership that will lead you into conversations like this, because this is the stuff that weighs us in life. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I'm really privileged to be here. I'm, I'm currently um, in Kansas City. My wife, Michelle, and my baby, Miriam, I think are upstairs right now, but they're with me today. We recently moved from L.A. earlier this year yeah. um, because L.A. was just a little big and noisy and <laughs> Kansas City is amazing, and we love it. Um, so we, my wife is an ordained Foursquare pastor, and so we're currently in the process of church planting in the heart of Kansas City. Um, 
and additionally, I have a practice there um, in Kansas City where I work with men and women and couples, really wanting to see Christians in particular walk into the fullness of the life that we believe Jesus came to yes. bring us. And it is so frustrating, particularly as Christians, to know that this life is there and to have those moments when we experience ourselves living not into that fullness. Mm. And so a lot of how I see what I do is helping us walk further into that and, and exploring ways that we get stuck. That's, that's so good. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a conversation that I think is so needed in, in culture, but even in the body of Christ. We're, we're seeing kind of record statistics uh, of people who are dealing with mental illness, people who are dealing with depression. Uh, suicide is not something that even escapes people of faith. Um, and... and growing uh, amounts of stress for the younger of us. Even I, I think I saw something recently that said like high school students are experiencing the level of stress uh, that used to only be experienced when you were in college about to finish and graduate. That's happening in the high school level now. And so marriages start to unravel. Uh, we don't really know how to deal oftentimes with this issue of our, of our soul and being healthy. Uh, from your perspective, though, what are some of the things that you're seeing? What are, even in the church among Christ followers and, and at large, some of the statistics, some of the things that you're seeing kind of as a real reality to this? Well, I, I think one of the things that I hold with a lot of sadness is that statistically, we don't see a lot of difference between mental health-related issues inside the church and outside the church. Mm. Actually, as a culture across the board, those rates stay pretty consistent, wow. which kind of surprises me. Right? I would think we have Jesus, we have the Spirit of God with us, um, that when I see that, it, it kind of causes me to pause. And um, like the, the statistics on suicide right now, right? Suicide in the younger generation is the number two leading cause of death. Nationwide, it's in the top 10. Wow. So we as a generation, as a nation, um, are experiencing so much pain that it brings people to the point that they would consider escaping it ultimately because there's no other way of getting out of it. Wow. Right? We see this a lot among the younger generation. Culturally, there's so much pain. One of the ways, I think when in a conversation around mental health, when we're talking about mental health, when I think about mental health, when I think about um, depression and anxiety and a lot of the other diagnoses that we see in our culture, there are a number of ways of thinking about them, of understanding, what it, and there's a number of different factors. The people that I see and what I see over and over again is one of the primary causes. What sits underneath, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's marital discord, so much of the pain that we see present in society is rooted in experiences of disconnection. Wow. That in our minds, I think we grow up feeling a lot of closeness with people, but I actually think that one of the challenges we have as a society is living out deep connection. Right? I think even biblically, when I think about the Garden of Eden, right? Yep. Wait, the way that God created us. That God created humanity in the garden. Actually, in Genesis chapter 2, it talks about how God made man. And you have this beautiful story of like man living in paradise with God. And then God looks at this and goes, hey, this isn't good. It's not good that man is alone. And then he makes woman as a partner in that, that actually from the beginning of our creation, we were always meant to be connected both with God and with one another. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And in the fall, when sin entered the world, we lost that connection with God and with one another. Mm. 
And that the restoration of both of those connections is vital to our emotional, relational, spiritual well-being. And I think we've done a pretty good job really leaning into that spiritual connection of what God has come to do. And it's this area of human connection that there's a lot of what was intended for us, the way that we sit with each other, the closeness that we feel. Um, But if if we're honest, like human relationships kind of messy. (laughs) <laughs> right? Like, I mean, yeah. people inherently kind of aren't safe. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things I love about God is that, that God's got my back. Yeah. Right? God is a safe place that I can run to that sees me and loves me and cares about me and knows me. I know a lot of people that don't fit that description. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even all, in the church. Even in the yeah. church. Yeah. 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 Well, and this, this is one of the reasons that I became a therapist. Yeah was as I was sitting as a pastor in the church, walking with people who were experiencing such transformation and connection with God in the way that it revitalizes us to know like, oh my gosh, God knows me, sees me, loves me, cares about me. We experience his life and almost like, like we sit in worship and we have this connection with God and then we like turn out and go to the world and it's like, go, 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 right? And like life is hard and relationships are hard and, and then we kind of guard ourselves and we close up and, and then we stay close until we run to Jesus and we open up with Jesus and then we come back to each other and we close up and so we end up in our communities, not because we want to, but unintended in protecting ourselves, we end up functioning in quite disconnected ways. And this disconnection feeds into anxiety, it feeds into depression, it feeds into divorce and infidelity, it feeds into all sorts of things within our communities that actually cause us to move further away, even as God has come to bring us together. Yeah, that's so good. And, 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 and I think that um, there, is, there is a component uh, to where, <laughs> where we have to recognize that Christ is still the starting point for all of our true health. Like that, that, is, that is it. And so if you remove Christ from the equation of our lives, there's still something that, that is missing. So uh, obviously let's start yeah, there. Let's, yeah. let's talk for a minute about yeah. Christ because he's the one who came to redeem yes. the relationship yes. with us and God and Absolutely. through the filter to, yes. to have the, the other extension. So what role does Christ in our, our relationship yeah. with God really come yeah. to play in, in our health mm-hmm. within our soul? Yeah, so when, when we think about wholeness, health, when we think about connection and life, um, there's, actually, there's some really wonderful research um, in the psychological field around attachment. Mm. And, and the two things that they talk about is how, how we become whole. Um, they talk about needing to experience love, which is where we actually get our sense of identity and our sense of self from. It's these yeah. experiences that say, I have value, I have worth, I matter, I have something to offer. Um, that, that's where our sense of identity comes from is these experiences of love. And then we need experiences of safety, which allow us to have courage and to be brave and to walk out into the world and to be courageous and to step out beyond ourselves. In the fall, I think we lost both. We lost yeah. our identity, right? Yeah. This, what we were intended and created for. And this is where we start with Jesus, that, that Jesus coming back, walking among us, living and dying and coming back to life and giving us life. As we regain connection with Jesus, it establishes, it reestablishes our identity. Yeah. Right? I'm not lost anymore. I'm a child of God. I am seen and I'm loved and I have a yes. purpose. Yeah. And I was created with intention. 
And there's a God out there who holds me and cares about me. And regardless of what I experience all around me, that experience of the love of God reestablishes a sense of identity within me that allows me to stand up, that allows me to have a sense of this is who I am and what I have to offer, and my own sense of value grows. And so I think that, to me, this experience with Jesus, and a lot of us have had this, but a lot of us came into church, came into Christianity, came into our faith, experience of lost and not having kind of like flailing in some ways or being hurt and running away in some ways. And we come yeah. in and we meet Jesus and it's like, oh, like, you mean there's, there's more? You mean, you mean I'm somebody in your kingdom? Like, oh, there's a value that's placed on my life. And it, yeah. it, that's where we get our sense of identity from. And I, to me, like, the, that's what Jesus brings us yeah. as that starting place with Absolutely, our identity. Absolutely, where that identity can be reformed yeah. because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that from a place of identity, all of our behavior will eventually flow. Yes. And, and, it's, and it's this sense, and in between is this, this real belief mm-hmm. uh, that shapes our identity mm-hmm. and our belief in Christ, shapes our identity, which allows us then to have the behavior to live out from a, a more courageous story and a more yeah. safe place where, where there's something true life that is yeah. blossoming and growing yeah. in us. One of the things that I know you've seen in, in your life, both as, as counselor and, and pastor, and I'll see it in, in, in my role as a pastor so often, is that when people start to walk through pain and they feel like they've become disoriented in their identity, because a lot of times it's like, hey, I, I prayed the prayer, I started showing up to church, but my life didn't completely transform. What's, what's the deal? And, and we walk through things and there's still pain and things that we have to process most often when pain becomes to, to, to come to the surface in our lives, people begin to immediately disconnect from other people, maybe for, for safety reasons, or the, they'll just stop showing up to the group, stop showing up to the church, just start to withdraw more and more. And we go back to this isolation where we feel like we're just suffering on our own, and, and we're afraid of what might happen if we get honest about that. But there is a real important role that Christian community and, and real healthy relationships can play and has to play because it's a both end. It's, it's a vertical and a horizontal as, as creatures. That's how we were created, both, both vertically and, and horizontally. Yeah. You're saying. So, so what role uh, and what would you say, even say to us as a body, as, as a people wanting to develop this and be safe? Or yeah. what would you say to us to, yeah. to help us recognize the role community plays in our own but health? I think this is where what the Apostle Paul says when he talks about the need to work out our salvation. And he actually says, like, work it out with fear and trembling. Yeah. Like, there's something scary about it. This is exactly, to me, this is what he's talking about. Yeah. That we meet Jesus and our identity is restored. And, I mean, we can... Sometimes when we venture out, we leave our identity behind and then we get lost and right, we have to come back and reestablish who we are. But even as believers, even as people who have had that experience with God where we have a sense of identity that has been restored and strengthened within us, this idea of walking out our faith with others mm. is terrifying. Uh, right? Think, I mean, just think about small group experiences. Most of us at some point have had this moment where I'm like, here, let me share 
And I kind of open this up, and then, like, everyone just kind of stares at me. And I'm like, oh, did I say too much? Did you now hate me? Um, like, what does this mean? I don't even know what this means. Can I say it again? Was that too much? Maybe I don't want to talk next time. Maybe. And so when I, t- when I talk about safety, right, because I think we're conscious of the sense of physical safety. Sure. Right? Th- that that's something that, that if we've been in, like, physically harmful relationships, we have that sense of, of unsafeness that we walk with. But there's also this thing that, that I talk a lot about, which has to do with, like, the safety in relationship of emotional safety of relational safety and what I'm talking about when I when I say safety in that context is this idea of how deeply can I breathe when I'm sitting with you Mm. right how how much am I filtering and thinking about how you're perceiving what I'm saying right when we sit down together am I do I do I kind of just hold myself together or can I just kind of relax Right? And this isn't always even, most of the time, this is not something that we do consciously. But most of us, when we walk into a room, when we walk into a small group, when we walk into church, right, we, we want to be safe places. Yeah. Right? We really, we want to be safe small groups. We want to be safe families. I want to be safe for my daughter. Right? We want to be safe people. And yet all of us have had experiences that far precede these moments in time and we carry all of those experiences with us. And some of those experiences for all of us have been hurtful. Yeah. When we experience hurtful moments, we actually, it's almost like we develop a third eye hmm. that is just unconsciously paying attention. Is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? We walk into a room going, that third eye comes up. We're not even listening to it, but we can feel it, right? It's why sometimes you just kind of tense up in conversations and you're like, man, like, I'm talking so fast. Why am I talking? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tense. Mm. Like, why do I feel uncomfortable in these relationships? Why do I not want to go to small group? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, so much of that has to do with, like, why, I don't know what's going to happen in this. Yeah. So this place of relationship to me is where we actually work out our salvation, yeah. where this is where what God has done in us is put into motion. And this is, to me, it's fascinating that God would trust humanity with the restoration of human relationships, yeah. <laughs> but it certainly seems to be that case, yeah. right? Yeah, Jesus so has true. not like shown up in my home group and said, hey guys, this is how you do it, <laughs> right? The spirit speaks yeah. and there are moments that God is and lead us, but I haven't had like a physical manifestation going, guys, you don't get it. <laughs> Let me show you how to do it. And there's this sense of like, of God inviting us as his people to participate in this journey. Mm. And, and if I'm honest, our struggles with connection and our struggles and our experiences where we don't feel safe are always the moments when we tend to guard ourselves a little bit, yeah. right? We do this yeah. in our marriages. We do this in our friendships, right? Like, like I, I talk a lot about like openness and closeness, yeah, right? Sure. And here, actually stand up for me with a moment, right? I'm going to do I'm, an analogy. I'm working this out okay. in fear trembling yeah. at this moment. <laughs> right? So, so as humans, we all are born from the posture of openness, sure. right? Yeah. So like my little girl coming away, she doesn't like sit and go like, no, daddy, don't get close to me, right? There's, there's an openness that comes. Mm-hmm. At some point along the way, we get relationships that beat us up. And so we guard ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. So hold the guarded position and kind of protect yourself, right? Okay, now, here's one of the things that we get stuck on, right? Yeah, right? This, can we be honest? Like how many times have we walked into a church, a house, friendship, yeah. and internally, this is what we're doing? Externally, we might be doing this. Hey, guys. So excited to see you, and internally, this is our experience, okay? This becomes so confusing in relationships, mm. because if internally you're doing this, and I come in to hug you, yeah. what's going to happen to me? Yeah. I'm going to get slapped in the face. Yeah. 
And then I'm going to go like, wait, I thought you were open and now I'm defended. Yeah. And I'm going to protect myself. Yeah, that's good. And so often in relationships, we kind of just take turns. Right? I'll be open, you'll be closed, I'll get hit, I'll close up, you'll open up. And we do this exchange. Mm. And most of the time, I mean, think about your marriage, right? How often like, hey, I'm done fighting. And then, oh, they're not done fighting. <laughs> and then they're done fighting. No, I'm not done fighting. <laughs> yeah. right? And then round we go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This back and forth. I mean, this happens in all of our relationships. Most of the time, we're, we're not even aware of it. And then we walk out going like, man, that was brutal. Like, I don't want to go back to that relationship. I don't want to go back to those people. Mm-hmm. And what we haven't really learned how to do well is how do we talk about that? Yeah. Right? How do we, even from a starting place, of recognize that even in here in this room right now, like some of us are sitting going like, man, I love the journey God has me on. This is great. I've made new friends. And some of us are in here going like, man, that person looked at me weird last week. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. if we're on good terms. Um, the pastor said something that kind of like stung me. And I don't know if I really want to do that work. And I'm going to kind of like guard myself yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And we all have these moments and have these reactions. And so our starting place, because community cannot happen, that the community that God has for us, the connection that God made us for, cannot be experienced when we're guarding ourselves. Mm. I can't experience it, and you won't experience me. You'll experience my hand slapping you emotionally across the face. You won't experience my heart in the transformation that God Mm. has done in me. And when we think about society... This is the critique of society to the church. Yeah. We talk about our hearts and what God has done in our hearts and how much love there is and how much care. And yet we are guarded to our society. Yeah. And we keep people at bay. Yeah. So people hear about our hearts and come running in and then get slapped across the face and go, you Christians are dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And then I sit here and go, like, no, I'm not. Look at my heart. And they're like, I can't see your heart. Mm. I just experience you being guarded. And if our gospel is going to grow and flourish in this world and in this nation, the way that God has intended it to be, there's an invitation for us as followers of Jesus to do the very dangerous, scary work of going, okay, there are moments that I'm like this, that I need to learn how to open up and do this, knowing I might get hurt. Right? Community is messy. There is no community you're not going to get hurt in. If you're looking for it, keep looking. Good luck. If you find it, let me know. I'll come join you. (laughs) But the nature of being humans in a relationship means we're going to hurt each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. Like, there there is this sense of uh, our guardedness uh, often creates these internal judgments that we have of of our experiences and people. That, that I start to filter my interactions with somebody else through my own insecurity yes. and yep. my own pain yep. and my own hurt. And so I'm projecting mm-hmm. their judgment yep. based on my own internal judgment of myself. Yep. And, and we create this block yep. of real authentic openness. Yep. And, and it's not that, uh, because I think sometimes you would experience two things with Christians, right? You, like you get the, the guarded, uh, I'm going to pretend and be fake. Yep. And then you get the oversharers, yep. right? Like yep. here, yep. like, oh, I just met you here. Let, let, let's go out for lunch. And then you pour like all of your heart out yep. of like My, my wife that calls that emotional hookups, <laughs> right? Right? Because there's, yeah, there's yeah. this level of intimacy that yeah. comes in opening up yep. that, that, and this is because we don't know how to do this well, yep. that we kind of do this all or nothing. I'm not going to share anything and like, blah, here's my life. 
I'm emotionally naked before you. Yeah. And we, we do these emotional hookups that then we end up wondering why we get hurt. And then we go, I don't ever want to do that again. And I don't share anything. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we fluctuate and between those. And we go those. back and forth. And yeah. it's so true. And there is this sense of authenticity that we mm-hmm. all want to have and be yeah. known for. Yeah. It's an authenticity that says, I acknowledge my pain, but I'm still hopeful for a promise of yeah. different. I acknowledge the fact that Jesus has made me right on the inside, but my mouth still is a little bit filthy, and I'm, I'm still trying to not be so mean with the way I talk to people because I'm still working it out. I'm not giving up on it, just calling it my personality. I'm actually leaning in and saying, I'm in process. I'm going to keep looking for God to fulfill his promise and his purpose in my life. And so there is this honest acknowledgement, but yet still hopeful and faith-filled that God is still working and, and, and learning to juxtapose both and be okay with both. That's the working out with fear and trembling at every moment well, in time. And our faith is a faith of tension. Yeah. Right. So we good. follow the God who is here and not yet here. Yeah. Come on. Right. Our, our whole faith is rooted in this tension. Yeah. Um, and the way to the fullness of the kingdom is actually right into the tension. Yeah. And how do we talk about, and that's part of what we're doing here is, is how do we just acknowledge, actually, it's really messy and it's hard and we don't all feel safe most of yeah. the that, time. That's where we start. Absolutely. And, and we, we've probably all heard the phrase um, that hurt people, hurt people. Uh, but I also believe that healed people yes. can heal people. Yeah. And, and while we're learning to heal in community yeah. and we're learning to be healed through Christ, There is a third component to our own personal health that I think is 100% necessary, vital, and uh, I I strongly encourage it uh, myself, and that's the role of counseling because there is a professional level, uh, but there is also a stigma that the church, I think, has attached to this word therapy, counseling, psychology, whatever words you want to use, we've attached this stigma to it that says, well, if you really had faith, and and what we really are saying, well, if you really had faith, you wouldn't be human. You wouldn't be acting so humane. And you wouldn't deal with things that humans deal with. So obviously, you're you're pretty pro-counseling. I think it's a safe assumption we can make today. Um, what role, and what would you say, one, to, to people who've always been skeptical yeah. of mm-hmm. it, of the optics of it, mm-hmm. of acknowledging that yeah. they've been or would need to? Mm-hmm. What would you say to the person who's really fearful there, but also the role that it can play in our mm-hmm. own being in health as our soul is in health? Yeah. Well, so there, there's two kind of biblical concepts that I hold in my mind. Um, one is this idea where, where Jesus talks about the light, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that God brings light into the darkness. We sang about yep. it this morning. Yeah. Right? There's moments where the presence of God comes and illuminates the darkness and the darkness disappears. There's also a verse in Psalm 139, which to me undergirds everything that I do, I where the psalmist is talking about like running from God and I could go to the heavens and you're there. I go to the depths of the earth, you are there. And then he makes a statement where he says, even the darkness is not dark to you. Mm. He doesn't say, even in the darkness, you turn on the lights. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you. And I read that and go, because God can see in the dark. 
Yeah. Right? And I think oftentimes, and there is, a, there is a place where God brings the light in, and there's this miracle, and there's this lifting, and there's this transformation. But there are also places in us, in our lives, that have just stayed dark. And we can't figure out how do we get light into them? How do we get them into the light? And they're like separated and removed. And sometimes it's the experiences we've had. Sometimes it's relationships we've gone through, abuse that we've endured. Sometimes it's our own level of shame and what we think about ourselves. There's all sorts of darkness. One of the things that I have spent time sitting with Jesus and going to grad school and getting trained is, is I want to know how to see in the dark. I want to walk with Jesus into the darkness to sit with people in the darkness because sometimes when we've all had those moments where like people see that we're in pain and then they like grab our arm to try to pull us out of the pain, not realizing that like our arm is broken and they're like inflicting more pain as they try to drag <laughs> us out of pain. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. Right. Well, like I can't, I can't go where you want me to go. I can't do that. So one of, that's one of the ways I conceptualize what I do as a therapist is going like, I'm not scared of the dark. Yeah. That actually, I trust that Jesus is with me and we go right into the dark. Because when we're there with God, it's not dark the same way. Even the darkness is not dark to God, it is to us. And thinking about how hard it is to figure out relationships, how hard it is to learn how to trust people. Like when we've had relationships that have gone bad, it makes doing the next one harder. Yeah. Um, and we, sometimes we just don't want to, sometimes we settle for not having close friendships and yeah. kind of a bunch of people that we know, but maybe we don't go deep with people. Um, we, we settle for like keeping part of our lives separate and sharing some of our lives because there's inherent risk yeah. in how do we go about yeah. doing it. And so I think one of the gifts that counseling is to the church yeah. is being able to go and work out some of that stuff without having to see that person on Sunday. Yeah. Right. You're not the, the, having the safety, safety of yeah. going, let me like actually put it all on the table and work through. And, and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's a mess. But there's a safety in that room. Yeah. And so to me, to me, I hold it collaboratively. Yeah. The counseling is a part of the journey yep. that is still rooted in community yeah. as we grow in our faith. Absolutely. So good. What, what would you say? We've talked about, you know, these three components, this triple stack approach to finding health. What are some maybe practical next steps you'd encourage us to, to engage in? Yeah. Well, I got three. Come on. Because you like the triple stack. I love it. One is it starts with vulnerability, which means honesty with me. My honesty with myself. How guarded am I? Where am I actually at? Right? Being lost doesn't mean we don't know where we're going. Being lost means we don't know where we are. And if we don't know where we are, we'll never get to where we want to go. So So we start with the vulnerability of going, where am I? How guarded am I? What is my pain? So we start there. Sometimes that's where a counselor can help you figure that out. You feel stuck. Fine. Well, my friend Michelle is here. We work together in Kansas City. She's a therapist. We'll be here afterwards. So vulnerability. The second one is we got to be brave. There is no transformation without being brave. There is no connection without risk. There is no transformation in community without opening ourselves up to be hurt again. It's going to take courage. We're going to have to be brave. The Spirit of God is going to have to gird us up to be brave. So good. And the third thing is we need to be wise, Mm. right? The... One of my favorite quotes is from um, AA, their, their big book. The, the quote is, 
when I'm dis- if I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. So if I'm reacting, there's something going on in me. It doesn't mean there's not also something going on with you. Right? Not everyone is ready to go on this journey with us. That's so good. That's okay. But that doesn't mean no one is ready to go on this journey with us. And we cannot use wisdom as a pretense for fear. Yeah. To say, I'm just being wise. I'm not opening myself up. Yep. No, that's scared. And it's okay if we're scared. So good. I get scared a lot. There's also wisdom to say, I don't feel safe and I don't feel we can talk about it, but where can I begin this journey? Maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's one of your small groups. So be vulnerable, be brave, and be wise. So good, so good. Friends, as as we kind of start to bring this uh, to to a close and and land this play, and I want to read a scripture to you. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says this, but he, being Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions, the external acts of sin. He was bruised internally for our iniquity. And the chastisement that brought us peace was on him. Jesus was wounded externally on the cross, but he also experienced internal pain. Why? Because what Jesus did at the cross was payment for what you are going to walk through spiritually, in your soul, internally, and in your physical body. I believe Jesus is our healer and healing starts with him. But I want you to know if you're walking through some darkness in your soul, Jesus was bruised for you. And he was bruised for me. Would you bow as we close in prayer today? If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I'm hearing these words. I'm gonna make a commitment to to either be vulnerable, to be brave, or to be wise today. I'm gonna take a step in one of those directions. If if that's you and you just acknowledge, yeah, I'm gonna do something this week to do that. Would you just extend your hand before the Lord so we can pray and say, yeah, I'm gonna gonna commit to, to, to apply one of these. Father, you see our hands and with our hands, our hearts of surrender. And we ask God that you would help us to be vulnerable, help us to be brave, but God, help us to be wise as we pursue health, spirit, soul, and body. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.